Welcome back to the Web3 show, everyone. I'm back with my crypto entourage in a struggle town in the markets, but we're here anyway. Uh, episode 25, it's a quarter of a century for us. Uh, it's crazy to think that we started this thing in November and we already shot up to 25 episodes. Um, so it, it brings me great privilege, as always, to have uh, Galactic Q, the merchant of Red Pulls. He's got a massive market update for everyone today, just with everything going on in the markets currently. And we've got your guy in TradFi, the ghost of Wall Street, the guy who's always making trades. And uh, he's he's been talking to Wall Street, trying to calm the storm that's going on right now. Uh, and I'm Luca, as always, the front man bringing you the crypto entourage. Right, boys, I think we'll probably uh, get the small talk in at the end, but I think just what's been happening in the market, I mean, I called it Black Monday when we jumped on the call <laughs> before. <laughs> Yesterday was a brutal day, and you know, just, what, just to recap what we've been chatting about offline, you know, Q's been t- calling it the, sc- the scariest market structure he's ever seen, um, it was essentially Black Monday, Bitcoin sitting at 31K. We haven't been at these levels since literally a year ago um, on the China mining sell-off. So it's uh, it's scary times. Let's dive straight into the market update. Q, what's happening? We're probably going to have an extended conversation and not move straight off the market just because of what's happening with uh, a bunch of factors coming up. So Q, take us away. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I've been in a, a couple of extended calls over the past uh, 24 hours, you know, getting as much insight as possible and, you know, what's happening, where things could go, what's happened with Terra Luna and the entire DPEG and, you know, all the, all the macro, macro things at hand. And, you know, ba- basically just to dive into Bitcoin um, and the general, you know, stock markets and things like that, we've seen a lot of sustained downtrend and quite a bit of capitulation in the NASDAQ and things like that over the past couple of days since the Fed talk. And while the Fed talk last week was very optimistic, people started to realize that when Jerome Powell stated that there wouldn't be a 75 basis points interest rate hike or that it's unlikely, people have started to call bullshit on that. And the fear of a possible 75 basis point interest rate hike in the next two months pretty much started this big sell-off after initial positive push in the market when we had an optimistic Fed announcement. Now, that interest rate hike is going to be dependent on the CPI data launch tomorrow. If the inflation data is bullish, we'll probably see some strong relief in the market. But I think the general expectation in the market from what I've gathered from social sentiment, bar it is very negative at the moment, is that the CPI data is going to be bearish. Um, and this kind of makes me lean towards a bearish outcome in the short term and medium term for all risk on assets. Bitcoin, crypto market, stock markets, all risk on assets will probably get hit quite hard if we do get kind of this Black Monday capitulation. <laughs> um, so essentially short term, the lines in the sand for Bitcoin was 31.5 for a daily close. Unfortunately, yesterday's daily close was at 30,000, actually 29,700 was the wick. And I think we closed around 30,100, which is not good for the bulls. So the next line in the sand essentially for Bitcoin is the defense zone from the summer lows of the June, July 
2021 crash, which is a zone between 29.3 and 28.8. If we're to lose those levels, the next realistic levels or zone of support would be the 200-week moving average. And I said offline to, to both you guys, um, you know, there's a strong case for 22 to 24K for Bitcoin. And that case has been shown by weekly moving averages. So four times in Bitcoin's history, once we lose the 50-week moving average, there's generally quite a slow downtrend over a couple of weeks as we head down to test the 100-week moving average. Once we retest the 100-week moving average and we lose it, we usually see a very fast sell-off down to the 200-week moving average. And this was indicated in the 2015 bear market. It was indicated in the 2018 bear market, well, twice in the 2015 bear market. The 2018 bear market, where we had a strong capitulation event from about $6,000 all the way down to $3,200. It was also evidence in the March 2020 COVID black swan event. And what's happening right now is we have lost the 100-week moving average. So if this current weekly candle closes below 36,500, it is very likely we'll see that strong capitulation down to the 200 week, which is 22 to $24,000 zone. So right now things are looking very, very, very on edge. But that being said, I would not be surprised if we see some form of relief. A lot of people will start to go short. Um, which means that there will likely be a slight squeeze uh, before we get that CPI data tomorrow. So basically, use that as you will for your risk management. But in essence, what, what we're going to see here is a, there's a strong bear case for the low 20s. Now, a lot of this downward pressure, especially over the weekend and yesterday, has been forced downwards pressure, which is kind of, in a sense, unsustainable sell pressure from the Terra Luna Foundation. Um, with BTC cells to try and stabilize the peg. Now, we did on the pod a few times say how unsustainable it was that Anchor, I mean, that Duquan was doing massive $100 million buy orders on the way up to 48K Bitcoin, purchasing at resistances every time, in essence, artificially inflating the Bitcoin price. We knew this was unsustainable and we knew we were going to come crashing down. Everyone was extremely bullish. I am also bullish on Bitcoin being a reserve asset for an algorithmic peg. But right now is the test. Is it going to work or is it not? And Duquan was very loud about, you know, all these buy orders. And essentially what we're seeing now is, will LFG and the market makers protect the peg or are they going to protect Bitcoin in the macro market? And obviously they will choose to protect the UST peg. So with that, we're getting massive sell volume on Bitcoin, billions of dollars at a time, which is creating even more sustained downwards price pressure for the general market. Now, on top of that, <laughs> on top of that, there's a lot of obviously the perfect storm. There's a lot of FUD out there. People are panicking and we're seeing just general sustained downwards price pressure. We have seen a bit of a relief push today um, from 30,000 to 32,000. Um, and that could largely be due to a technical front where all the indicators are oversold. Um, RSI is finally flipping oversold. Stock RSI, William Percent, all these big oscillator momentum indicators are completely oversold. Some of them are flatlining. 
So a relief would make sense. And even if we get a relief push to 40,000, um, if we get rejected at that zone, it will be another rejection of the bull market resistance band, which is the differential between the 21-week EMA and 20-week SMA. A rejection there will pretty much fulfill our 22 to 24K capitulation events as well. So there's a lot of things pointing towards the bear case here. If we are to be bullish, Bitcoin has a lot of work to do. And right now, if we look at the volume indicators as well, things are looking favorable to the sell side. So it's it's a very tricky market structure. I do think in the very short term, we'll see some relief, which will give people exit opportunities if they are very over leveraged in certain altcoin positions. Um, but if you're comfortable and you've got enough cash on the side, I would wait for that 200 week moving average retest because historically, whenever we have hit that level, we have never broken below the 200 week moving average bar a daily close below in the black swan events of 2020 before a very quick spike back up. That in history has represented the best buy opportunity in crypto. This could open up the best opportunity for you as an investor to position yourself for the next four years in crypto. So while it is bearish, there is a strong silver lining. And maybe we'll we'll get to that a bit in a bit. I just want to focus more on what's happening in the market. We should chat about Terra. But Q, you mentioned, um, and I don't know if you maybe had to back that into your market update, but just reiterating, you mentioned offline that if we were to go down to 22, 24K, which you're, if I'm getting this correctly, you're weighing the probability of that quite highly. Why is that going to be a good thing? Are you saying that's a good thing just from this investment opportunity that it could be one of those one of those uh, you know, opportunities that people saw at the bottom in March 2020, one of those again, essentially. Well, if we just look at who are the guys that made the most money in the past three years, it was the guys who bought at the 200-week moving average in 2018 when Bitcoin was trading around 3K. And the guys who got a second opportunity in the March 2020 crash when, again, Bitcoin was trading at the 200-week EMA. SMA, so. So historically, that 200-week SMA has been the optimum buy opportunity for the maximum ROI purely by investing into quality. There's been tons of millionaires made over the past three years purely from buying at those levels. So if history is to repeat itself, Bitcoin has run hard. You know, we we went from $3,000 at the bottom of the 2020 COVID crash all the way up to, what, $69,000 in November last year. That is a ridiculous gain. That opportunity is likely gone. But if we see those fast retests down to those low 20s, that opportunity presents itself again. And just from an investment point of view, it just could be an optimum buy opportunity if history is to repeat itself. And even if that could have you know, quite a long payoff because, I mean, you, you know, we, we go down faster than we, we can go up. Um, Luke, I want to bring you in here um, and just, you know, you, you're talking about quality queue. You know, we have to look at, I guess, Terra, um, you know, Luna and UST and that whole ecosystem. 
with its potential capitulation, I mean, you look at what's happening with the liquidations from Anchor Protocol and, and uh, maybe, Luca, you can explain this, uh, the link between Anchor and UST and how the whole ecosystem functions from a market perspective in this way. But do you do we see Terra still being part of that quality that people can get into? Because, I mean, $30 for Terra, we've seen it at all-time highs at 120 That looks like a great, you know, that looks cheap. But, I mean, you know, obviously we have to consider the downside risk that could still go down further if the whole ecosystem collapses. And I don't know how likely this is. It could go to zero, obviously. Um, I, obviously, I'm, I'm, say, I'm just saying that from a pure risk perspective. Uh, we obviously don't know what Duquan's got up this up his sleeve, but also Luca, could you maybe just touch on touch on Terra? Is it becoming a systemic risk to the market with UST? Do you still think it's quality? The infrastructure um, on Terra, that being Anchor Protocol, the minting mechanism, UST Luna, these assets, this infrastructure is quality um but i i mean these stable coins just just one example maybe um these these stable coins are designed to fluctuate and come back to peg so on, on the one hand you know this it, it, it is a systemic risk the ust market cap um john's correct me if i'm wrong here but it exceeded the lunar market cap last night probably is right now as well yeah, it's a UST sitting at fifteen billion. Terra is currently at ten. Yeah, so 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 the UST is backed by Terra, and the market cap of the stablecoin has ballooned because of the attractive APYs on Anchor Protocol. Um, and for a long time, it worked right. And right now, I guess we're in a situation where it has depegged. Um, long term. You know, this is one of the teams that has been able to execute. So on the one hand, in the short term, it is a big systemic risk. On the other hand, it is a long-term opportunity. If you believe in the ecosystem and the infrastructure, you could have bought UST at 60 cents last night. Right, and the chance the chance of it coming back to peg is high. You you just need the conviction to be able to hold. So that that, that would have been quite an interesting play. Um, if you buy the thesis that uh, Terra Luna is still quality, um, I think I think it's it's worthwhile zooming out for a moment and just looking at the ecosystem as a whole. I mean, Terra have maintained a twenty percent yield for over a year. They've really succeeded in the sense of creating a benchmark rate, um, and I, I would not bet against them in the long term. In, in the short term, it's a slightly different scenario, of course. That whole ecosystem is highly leveraged um, because basically you can take the core asset and borrow against it in USD in, in what is effectively said, like an infinite loop. right? And I, I think generally speaking in, in crypto, you've got a bunch of stable coins. This is not, it, this is not a terror thing. I think that's an important thing to bear in mind. Um, it's really a DeFi thing where you've got this constant minting of these stable coins and actually the mechanisms behind them um, are robust on the day-to-day, but when you've got black swan events, uh, things fall apart. Then again, if you look at traditional infrastructure, it's not any different, right? Like if you have a black swan event, traditional infrastructure also fails. 
right? Markets stop trading. So on the one hand, it's, 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 it's not unique to crypto, I would say. And on the other hand, it's also not unique to terror. They were just the first one to be tested in this way. I mean, this whole stablecoin phenomenon is quite new, right? So I, I think it's, it, yes, on the, on, the, on the one hand, it, it is an opportunity. On the other hand, it's a short-term systemic risk. Why? Because, you know, if, if this has happened to Terra, it can happen to other stablecoins. If confidence in stablecoins evaporates, most trading pairs are stablecoin pairs, right? This could, <laughs> this really could send us down to the low 20s. Um, if everyone starts panicking um, and other stablecoins start losing their peg. I mean, maybe just one example, you know, it's it's often the case in crypto, like I guess in traditional markets, you know, there's often the advice, don't, don't panic sell, right? And I think generally that holds true. Uh, but when you're, when you're in crypto, things do fail, things do collapse, and there are many cases where panic selling is warranted, actually, um, as infrastructure collapses. So I think um, if we start seeing other stable coins waver, I mean, just one other example of this would be magic internet money, right? So already in the name, you can kind of... Uh, so this is another stable coin, basically, that's collateralized by debt, Um and here you've got the idea that basically you can deposit collateral, you can borrow the stablecoin, you can buy more collateral, deposit that, and then borrow again, basically, looping over your collateral effectively to create more and more money. Um, and and these, these systems of money creation, effectively, um, like it is a ca- capital efficiency thing. Uh, but on the other hand, it is a, a systemic risk, of course, because you've got all these highly wound up positions. And that's what we've seen with Luna. Historically, Luna has fallen very hard. This is not anything new. Um, you know, at the moment, no, there's a lot of attention to it. I think, Johns, we were on a phone call when this thing went to $4 from 20-something. Right? So, it was so like, just, just on that point, last year, Luna crashed from $20 to $5. And it de-pegged down to 90 cents and it regained its peg very quickly. Just, just literally that happened. You and I watched that happen together while we were on a call. And just, um, just to build on that, you know, John's like the, that, that just to put it into perspective, what were the other L1s doing, right? I think Luna dropped what, like 20 extra percent at least from its autumn high. Yeah, or exactly. More. more. But you know, what, what, one one thing I just I just want to kind of bring in. So this this whole downtrend in Luna was obviously exaggerated by a sensitive market. You know, initially what happened was there was a huge uh, UST sell-off when they were migrating liquidity on one of the curve pools. There was suddenly a massive sell-off on UST, and UST lost its peg. I think it was down to 0.987 or something like that. So sorry, John, this is what happened this weekend. Yeah, this is what happened on the weekend, yes. Um, Then essentially what happened was there is, as we know, a huge audience of bears on Luna or for Luna. Um, And we've seen in history, like, you know, a couple months ago, there was a massive FUD storm on Luna and Anchor, which dumped the price from, it was like $90 down to $45, $50, and then it pumped to $120 once the FUD cleared. 
And we've seen similar accounts from that time sharing that FUD again. Now, initially, they got the peg back up to 0.995 immediately from that initial fall off. But with the sensitive market conditions, Bitcoin taking a beating, Luna FUD, it just kind of sent things spiraling down. And if you look at the kind of on-chain, like you track the on-chain metrics here where like who was selling and things like that, it was shown that, you know, about 1% of Luna accounts went short. The other 99% didn't know what the fuck was happening. So it definitely was targeted to to take advantage of a really good arbitrage opportunity with UST. But it just spiraled out of control due to the sensitive nature of the current market. And I mean, if we just look at kind of the TVL reduction in the entire Terra Luna ecosystem, within the last 24 hours, we saw a 49% decrease in total value locked on Terra Luna. Anchor Protocol, for example, dropped 58% in the last seven days. It's, it's, it's been crazy. So there's been this massive exit liquidity on Luna, and a lot of people have been liquidated. Now, the, the biggest risk, what, what uh, Steiner was touching on there quite a bit, is, you know, besides stablecoin pairs and things like that, you know, Terra Luna before this was over a $40 billion market between Luna and UST and its, its stablecoin stacks. Now we're down to already $25 billion. That is a huge impact on the market. And that's likely to drop more if Terra cannot fix the peg. But if they manage to get the peg back to a dollar, this will probably be the trade of a lifetime because <laughs> Luna will probably recover very quickly. Now, you know, people always like, I know I'm super bullish on these algorithmic stable coins. You know, I've always said how I prefer them over, you know, collateralized stable coins like USDC and things like that. Um, but this is the kind of risk that they carry. And, you know, last night I got about like, like 25 messages from different people asking me what to do because they're over leveraged in Luna and all of that. And it just made me think people trust systems too much and they commit their entire accounts to systems that they believe will never fail when they've never actually gone through a big test. This is the first big and true stress test for algorithmic stablecoins. And unfortunately, unfortunately, Luna is the one having to take it. I think, like Steiner said, the team behind Terra Luna is strong. You know, they, they built the LFG Foundation. They have various other VC market makers to try to protect the peg as well. And, you know, that, that is what they're doing. Now, I do think that a big mistake was made where they started using a lot of the Bitcoin reserves to protect the peg at the high 90 cents levels. I personally think they should have just let it dump like it did last night, all the way down to 60 cents and then started their buy-ups to protect the, the peg, basically, because what we saw was LFG use a lot of their Bitcoin reserves to try to protect 98, 97 cents when we still went down to 60 cents because the shorts were just piling in. People made a lot of money shorting UST last night. They should have let the market just do their thing. It is at the end of the day, an algorithmic stable coin um, that is retains peg through arbitrage. So they should have let that happen. And then when it got down to 60 cents, come in to scoop up that buy opportunity with more power. Right now, they're doing a fairly good job. I think the peg's back at 92 cents now. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of work ahead of them to really get this back in 
back in shape. And if they don't recover it, Terra is in a lot of trouble. Um, and with that, algorithmic stablecoins, I know there's USDD on Tron, which is doing a mad APY. They'll probably be in trouble. You know, uh, I think DAI, all, all of these algorithmic stablecoins are going to be in a lot of trouble. And this will set a precedent of risk for them. Um, but this is what we've all been, we all know bank run and things like this is a possible risk of algorithmic stablecoins, but no one ever thinks it will happen. It's similar to the fact that there's been millions of new Luna injected into the market because of the sell of UST. People seem to forget that, you know, when you mint UST, you burn Luna, that goes the other way as well. And that has even created more of a FUD storm. <laughs> so it's it's been an interesting development in a difference of expectations and reality. And I think that has added to this whole irrational um, state that we're currently in with these massive capitulation candles throughout the Terra Luna ecosystem, not just on Luna and UST, but in TVL and on various other protocol projects as well. But it's it's more likely we will restore PEG at least because there are too many protocols across the crypto space that rely on UST. It's it's unlikely that it will it will fail. Look, by by design it should return to PEG. You just don't know when it's going to be. So it yeah. could be when Luna is at a $2 billion market cap <laughs> and UST has collapsed to whatever, you know, one. So uh, it, at some point, I think you can rest assured that this PEG will be restored. Duquan is not walking away uh, from the ecosystem. And uh, peace will come to terror. Uh, it will just probably come at a high cost. Guys, I just have a quick question uh, before I want to bring up TJ uh, as a caller. Um, and as we circle out of the, the market, uh, just on this UST point, right? I'm just, I'm just sitting here thinking it seems, it seems like there is a fair amount of noise, as Q, you pointing out, and it seems like the system is pretty much intact. So there's nothing fundamentally wrong. Obviously, as you know, as an investor, as a, someone who follows the market, you always want to cut through the noise. You want to look at the fundamentals, right? It looks like the system isn't damaged. Something isn't actually broken on the inside. Duquan's the team is staying. You know, the team is staying strong. But we know how these markets move, and people react on fud. People react emotionally, like you, like we're seeing all these liquidations coming in. Johns, do you think Terra collapsing more? If that's possible, if it goes down again or something happens, I'm, I don't know. Could that a just com- is that is that enough to a wipe out terror itself, like literally send it to zero just by nature of market forces and they couldn't handle the black swan event? And also, is that also enough ca- enough of a catalyst to tip over the rest of the market, like sort of like a Lehman Brothers collapsing in the 2008 financial crisis, you know? being the catalyst for the rest of the market to go into a, into a downward spiral. Uh, I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. Obviously, there's a, there's a yeah, lot right. more sort of macroeconomics well, at play with how these stable coins work, but uh, just a yeah, question yeah. from my side. So, so f- firstly, one of the main points of FUD have been centralization in a decentralized banking system. Now, wh- wh- why that developed is... And sorry, centralization the actual- being the, the Bitcoin purchases to to force brute force the the peg back back to one dollar exactly so so basically the lfg is still working on its automated systems to use btc as collateral when it's required but those systems aren't built yet so the decision last night 
and the night before to deploy the Bitcoin reserve was voted for by the six council members of LFG, including Duquan. And essentially, they had to run this process manually by loaning Bitcoin to their market makers and the market makers and them doing these big purchases of USD to try to prop the price back up. Now, this created a lot of FUD of people basically saying, you know, how can you trust a so-called decentralized banking ecosystem built around decentralized stablecoins when the reserve asset to protect it is owned centrally? And this kind of created a massive storm of a flaw in this entire algorithmic decentralized stablecoin ecosystem. The, the, the other, you know, there, there was a bunch of, I'm not going to go into all the FUD now, but there's a bunch of kind of directions that the FUD took. But to, to get to your questions, essentially, if UST can't regain PEG, Terra Luna will fail because it's a system built on decentralized stablecoins. The purpose of it is these decentralized algorithmic stablecoins. If they cannot fix the PEG, there's no reason why Terra Luna will survive. And it will be a very long time before they come up with something else and recover ultimately. Now, I don't think that's likely. I do think that they will recover the peg, but an event in the event that they can't, it will be catastrophic to the Terra Luna ecosystem. And with that, to get to your second question, like I said, a ton of projects rely on UST within their ecosystems and use it for their reserves and things like that. That catastrophic event for Luna will have massive ripple effects over the entire market. Firstly, there'll be huge, huge Bitcoin liquidations trying to protect the peg as it goes down, which will create downwards price pressure on Bitcoin. It'll also, as Luca pointed out earlier, have huge, huge ramifications and ripple effects for how secure our stable coins actually. You know, there, there, there's a vast majority of issues that it will bring up and questionable avenues that it will create when it comes to decentralized finance. So in my mind, it is actually in the best interest of not just terror-based market makers, but external market makers as well to make sure that UST retains its peg. Otherwise, there'll be a massive fall-off. Think about the market cap of all algorithmic stablecoins. This, this will be a case study for regulators already. Exactly. This yeah. is so big, such a big part of the market, such a big de-pegging. Um, we've, uh, yeah, I think... Uh, I think uh, it's 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 a little bit late, unfortunately, um, and we'll just have to see what comes out of this. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that that's a definitely doomsday scenario. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if a law to regulate algorithmic stablecoins p- comes in. Like, uh, it would make sense. I mean, this is still less brutal than Netflix, but fuck, <laughs> it's pretty brutal. Um, so it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to tackle with, but a lot of people don't realize that the destruction and terror, if it fails, will probably fulfill our Bitcoin prophecy of 22K even faster um, because people will lose a lot of confidence in DeFi as most new users are based on Terra Luna DeFi platforms because of its cheapness, the 20% APY and all those things. There will just be a massive like flow of exit liquidity out of this market, a lot of liquidation liquidity as well. And I mean, you look, you know, last night when I went to bed a few hours ago, the combined market cap of Terra and UST was 38 billion. Today it's 25, you know, just a few hours later. That's billions of dollars exiting that ecosystem. You know, it's 
it's dangerous to think that another 25 billion, if this fails, could exit the ecosystem as well. So it's, it's, it'll, it'll be a huge, huge impact on the market, I think. And then obviously the next, the next thing to carry on the doomsday prophecy is, uh, 21k, sailor gets liquidated, sailor gets margin called. <laughs> and then I, I think from there, that's, that's just in a, fucking free fall surely because well, well not, because not sailor sailors got but 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 hear me out q sailors got this thing in the market about bitcoin of never selling never sell your bitcoin his social sentiment is like never sell your bitcoin imagine to the market micro strategy has to liquidate like so surely so yes their, their margin core is at 21k and if they get margin cord it'll probably be another cascading liquidation event because we are in a sensitive market However, they haven't collateralized all of their Bitcoin. Yes. So they do have quite a large portion of their balance sheet assets that they can use to pad their liquidation level to sub 20K. So if that 200-week moving average can hold at 22K and Sailor can pad his, his margin call level to sub 20, that's why I say that that level could be the best buy zone because MicroStrategy and other institutions, you know, the average buy for MicroStrategy was what, 31,000? You know, they, they they went negative on their balance sheet last night. You know, Tesla as well. There, there's a ton of institutions that will defend these zones as much as they can. And that's why, again, I do think that if we get that 22 to 24K zone, or even a whip to 21K to scare Sailor, it'll be huge buy opportunities. Massive. And I wouldn't be surprised if there are open order mass buy opportunities as well open market because what we're seeing right now is OTC desks are liquidating so much Bitcoin. Miners have been selling Bitcoin into this capitulation. It's been the perfect storm for this kind of event. You know, everything is kind of pointing towards this. And like, let's be honest, crypto Twitter sentiment hasn't been this negative since the short squeeze coming out of the summer law last year. So <laughs> we just got to see what happens, I guess. And, and it is, I think it is funny because like, you know, you always say, you know, you should kind of, from a personal investment capacity, have some cash on the side. And I think, you know, obviously a historic bull, mar bull market and traditional assets has kind of uh, negated the need, right, for this cash pile. But I think just on the point of, you know, like it, in crypto, things do collapse. Um, and it is really interesting being in this situation again and actually literally seeing uh, blood flowing through the gutters um, and just kind of, I guess, <laughs> I guess really seeing the case for it, right? Uh, we really are on the frontier and with that comes a lot of opportunity. And a lot of pain in the in the short to medium term um but guys let's uh let's take on tj thanks for being so patient uh, we're going to bring you up here um our resident caller it's, it so happens uh, you've been on once before uh thanks for coming up tj and thanks for being patient uh what do you want to chat about uh ask about uh how are you feeling today well hey i just got to give a shout out to q for just being real and transparent um i think the big elephant in the room is is the tether situation i mean we think about stable coins right um they're stable for a reason with allegedly proven reserves i don't necessarily know if that's the case 
And I don't really think that we're looking at Tether for, for what it is. I mean, Tether could be the kind of bad news that, that sinks us to new lows. And I'm quite concerned about it. Anytime well, get I mean, anybody that, that, that runs to the exits, right, and, and needs to dump their bags, whether that's out of fear, or uncertainty, or doubt, uh, if you don't have proven reserves, trading stops. And I think that'll probably be our first sign of what I yeah. think is, is probably going to come anyway. So when we start to see exchanges shut down, have technical difficulties, have issues with trades, so on and so forth, that will kind of be the proof and and, and the 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 uh, temperature of the room, so to speak. And TJ, no, exactly. we've chatted, we've chatted about Terra, but we, we I mean, sorry Tether before, um, and the systemic risks it potentially has. Uh, obviously, you know, being at an eighty three billion market cap to you know something like that failing. Q, you probably you have a better perspective than I do, probably on it. Yeah. So, so I know when we actually did that episode, I was heavily allocated into Tether. <laughs> um, but I think, I think what we need to consider here, the, probably the most risk adverse stablecoin right now is USDC because it is backed by um, regulated, you know, it's backed by regulated companies one to one. So I think USDC right now is probably the most risk adverse asset. Uh, in terms of the stablecoin front, algorithmic stablecoins are looking rocky because of this, uh, you know, terror-based issues. And yeah, Tether, we've known for years now. No one knows what it's backed by. What's, uh, <laughs> what's the a... market cap of USDC at this moment? Uh, let me pull that up for you. I don't have it on me at the so moment. So that number will F- be the 50, safe 50 billion. 50 okay, billion. so that's, that's the safe exit number, right? That's a maximum yeah. exit number. I mean, if you include Tether, whatever percentage we, we, we think or feel is actually realistic reserves or not, you've got a little bit of float there. But I get, I guess where I'm going with this is like it's kind of a self-reinforcing cycle. It's interesting to me. I've been following crypto for, for not long, really. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it exactly correlates with the stock market. And I don't think that's by, by happenstance either. And so there's a lot of funds, you know, that um, are in and out and execute trades on a nightly basis. And they, I think they make healthy spreads on that. So They'll chase the up and they'll chase the down, and um, these are the experts. Uh, but at, at some point, though, it's it's a self reinforcing cycle of, of of shorts and sells, and uh, there's there's only so much stable coins uh, to initiate <laughs> the exit to the doors, and uh, and th- that's only backed by whatever the proven reserves are. So it's a, it's a big issue. If there's more stated reserves than actually exist, it's going to be a problem for bag holders. No, no, exactly. I mean, I, I think there was a report launched uh, like a year and a half ago, if I'm not mistaken, where they could prove 5% of the backing for, for USDT, but that was about it. So, I mean, I am going to assume in, in hope that it's more assets backing it, but if it is only 5% backing for, for Tether coins, uh, like there's going to be huge trouble. But realistically speaking, you know, the Tether breakdown has been something that crypto investors have feared for over two and a half years now. You know, in, in, in 2020, early 2020, people were already talking about the Tether crisis, you know, and people have kind of just become okay with it. Um, and I think it's it's almost an expected event to happen. Whether it happens this year, next year, five years time, no one mm-hmm. knows, but it is something that will happen. It, it It's guaranteed that Tether will fail at some point because one regulation two they cannot prove that all those dollars are backed by actual assets and this is why you got to look at alternatives like usdc 
which you at least know because it is regulated, has the dollar backing one to one. Um, and I think that will become probably the safest, you know, stablecoin asset. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I was fortunate to liquidate all my UST about two and a half weeks ago uh, into USDC. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy I did that. Um, <laughs> I, well, I, I, I did. I did it. There's the truth right there, folks. There it is. You just heard it yourself. <laughs> That's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I I did it completely unknowing what was coming for Terra. It was just by chance that I that I had this feeling I should do it. So I did. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think Tether or USDC right now are your safe bets, but Tether has a has an expiration date. Um, so I mean, when it comes to Securing all your assets, that's why the saying goes, spread your risk. You know, a lot of people just held UST, just were invested in Anchor, had everything collateralized there. You know, those guys are paying the price today. So it, it basically boils down to risk management, spreading your risk. And if you don't want to hold stable coins, hold dollars. Have them on Bitstamp. You can hold actual fiat dollars on Bitstamp, same as Binance. You don't have to hold a stable coin. So th- th- there are ways to, to protect yourself in these issues. Uh, I think it's an interesting point, though, with, like, the size of the exit door. <laughs> I hadn't actually yeah. really thought about it like that. You know, like, I really hope uh, that we don't get into a scenario where we actually see what happens when everyone tries to exit through a limited amount of liquidity. Yep, yep. That's exactly my concern, and that's why I wanted to bring it up because, I mean, we if you follow the general market, I mean, the market, the sentiment's not good. I mean, we, we've known for a while, and you could see the fluctuations in in stocks, right? You'd have a percent and a half increase and then a half a percent dump and then vice versa. And then we've seen consistent, you know, two and 3% dumps um, over the last few days. And I think that's a, a good general feeling for how things are going to go. It's a, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. And, and I think for crypto, as far as the industry is concerned, I think part of the problem that we're in is that like anything, it's greed, right? So, you know, greed led to the, to the market cap and greed will, will lead to the uh, reduction in market cap. At the end of the day, I always go back to the mechanics. It's like, what's the utility? Crypto, what's the use? What's the problem that it solves? And I don't think if the coin or the industry can can address that and instead just focuses on profits, I don't think crypto will ever do what crypto is meant, meant to do. I think that market cap will be a byproduct of its utility, not the driver. Yeah, so so I, I just wanted to actually, sorry, just to bring up something. I got I got interrupted by a call there, but... I just wanted to touch on your points on correlation with with uh, crypto and stocks. There's a there's an interesting chart on TradingView called the BTC SPX 500 chart, which is basically a correlation ratio between Bitcoin and the S&P. And you know, quite interestingly enough, that chart perfectly called both tops. The first one being at 64k, and the second one being at what was it, 69k Bitcoin. And what it actually indicated to us was the S&P BTC ratio put in a lower high on that second run up of Bitcoin before we had the massive fall off. So, so what, what we're seeing right now, though, is while most charts have lost their macro trends, the S&P BTC ratio is actually maintaining its macro trend and it's sitting on support. So th- th- there is hope for relief. But the, the, the other thing I just wanted to point out is there is hope on the horizon. I think th- there's two ways that we can get out of this current market turmoil that we're in, not just in crypto, but on a macro scale, because all risk, of, risk on assets are taking a beating, like you mentioned, 
the percentage point drops in NASDAQ and S&P and things like that. One is a stimulus bill. And two is, you know, the Fed going a little bit more dovish on their interest rate hikes and things like that. And obviously, it's it's kind of, you know, you're in a bit of a cat and mouse game here. I think Chamat said it on one of the pods where you've got this like tug of war between investors and the Fed. And, you know, I, I, I just think it's going to be a really, really, really interesting six months ahead, especially a year ahead. But I did read a couple sources rumoring a stimulus bill uh, that Biden's going to look to pass in the next couple months. Um, you know, being the, the, the administrative party. I mean, I could be wrong on this. Like I said, these were rumored articles, so it, it might not be vetted. It might be. Um, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some form of stimulus to protect an economic recession, considering we just went and closed our first Q1 negative GDP, um, you know, a Q2 negative GDP, and we're in a global recession. So it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how the next couple of months play out here. But I do think that we're going to get optimal buy opportunities. I mean, even if you look at traditional markets, the best buy opportunities were after the big crashes in the market. So if we do go into a massive recession, it'll be best, like the Dixie has been pumping, it'll be best to protect yourself in dollars and risk off assets, you know, and just be ready to take advantage of those, 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 basically those dips. And, you know, most people back stable coins to the end all and be all. <laughs> you got to spread your risk. <laughs> it's, it's the bottom line. And it's interesting. Um, I just wanted to chime in on a point you made there, TJ, which I which I agree with completely. Just about the utility and you know what is what problem is crypto solving essentially? And the way the way I see it now, you know, when you look at this massive market capitulation, I think long term we'll look back on this moment and like we looked back on you know a bunch of you know the other downtrend moments, market crashes, where essentially in crypto you've go, you're going through this cleansing process of the system. You're cutting the fat, if you will. Essentially, projects that aren't delivering on anything are just going to go to zero, and that's it. Because of the market forces, because of the free market, um, you know, and because crypto, there's nothing. There's nothing that stops the market. It doesn't close at the end of the day. It trades on the weekends. Uh, you know, we we are going through a cutting the fat cycle, and I think this is the year where crypto projects were. Who weren't delivering were meant to deliver or go to zero. So I think that it's an important market cycle, and I think uh, Luca and Q, Q, I'm sure, will will attest to that as well. I think we we need to that, and let's not even get into like NFTs and what what's going on there because I no. think that's where it's need, that's where it's needed the most, right? <laughs> I think I think just on that point, quick before before we possibly go over to to the the shitstorm of NFTs right now. <laughs> um, I, I think I think one thing to to consider is I think it was Crypto Zombie. He posted a tweet the other day uh, on the seventh of May saying five years ago exactly on that day bitcoin was trading at thousand seven hundred dollars and if you zoom out on the log chart for bitcoin and you really like focus on these macro moving averages macro trends macro cycles these massive 60 70 80 percent swings just look like blips on the radar and while it's really scary in the time it's the guys that take advantage of those that really come out strong so it's i guess it's about having conviction and just hoping i mean the Fed doesn't fuck us. Uh, I mean, it's it's a scary time, that's for sure. But I do think that it is scary now. But two, three, four years from now, we'll kind of look back on it. I mean, I've got huge conviction in Bitcoin, um, in the technology, especially as a payment rail. 
Um, I'm, I'm not sure, TJ, if you if you listen to Jack Maller's announcements. I think this huge application for what crypto and blockchain is trying to be. Um, but I think the global adoptive state of crypto is a couple derivatives of where we're currently at. And this whole issue in Terra Luna, like this is the first time there's been a true stress test for at, before the dump for over $45 billion evaluated industry, you know, yep. which was the Terra Luna ecosystem. Yep. Um, and it's scary to think that people <laughs> would evaluate something at over $40 billion and not expect it to have stress tests. Um, I mean, look at Solana. They've had multiple network shutdowns, you know, but they still got a very high valuation. Like this just attests to, like Steiner said, us being at the forefront, how early we are in this tech. And there's going to be these shakeouts. Amazon had nine, 80% dips in its initial years before it blew up. There's no reason why a lot of these altcoins are going to go through that. And that's why I think conviction in Bitcoin and to extend ETH at the moment during these difficult times is best. And then just holding yeah. dollars. Um, is the best bet to Maybe. go. I think trying to invest, trying to invest in these L ones and altcoins right now. Like, there's so many Twitter influencers. I know I tagged both <laughs> Lucas in a couple posts this past week talking about how cheap altcoins are. And the thing is, like, yes, a lot of them are down 80, 90 percent, but that doesn't mean they can't go down another 90 percent. You know, um, I mean, we look at we look at Polkadot for example, which is a project I've got a lot of conviction in. I really like the team. I really like what Polkadot are doing. And if they succeed, it's going to be a they are getting brilliant. battered. They are getting exactly. battered. Exactly. Look. People at an eighteen at an eighteen dollar dot said, "Ah, oh, this is the bottom." You know, we're now at eleven dollars or twelve dollar dots. There's no reason why I can't go back to four. You know, there's no reason Look, why Solana one, can't yeah. go back to twenty dollars. Like, it's it's something well, people don't really consider. Of- on that point of prices collapsing, I mean, we have, I guess, we have a utility premium that we're willing to pay for projects that we think serve a purpose, and there's a speculative premium. I think as the speculative premium evaporates over the next couple of months, we'll see kind of capital flee form um, mm-hmm. in projects that have that have a utility premium. And, you know, if it, it, it will probably be the case that, you know, maybe it'll be five, six projects, right? The rest will probably just be deadweight market cap. Guys, before we uh, before we wrap up here, uh, I just want to give the floor to uh, TJ. Do you have any final thoughts uh, as we before we wind down the show? And we we usually wind down at this time. I just want to also thank you for uh, coming up, being patient with us, and uh, joining us as a, as a guest for episode twenty five, quarter of a century for us. Uh, so, a bit of a milestone. Uh, I think you joined us on episode 20 as well. So is this going to be a every five five episode occurrence where you come up and hang out? Oh, it's a great question. You know, I, I can't ever time anything. So we'll, we'll have to see. <laughs> I, I appreciate the opportunity just to speak my mind. And uh, you guys give me an outlet to do that. And I just recognize that and appreciate that. The last question I had is I, I couldn't remember if it was Q or Luca. You mentioned a chart. You said it was a BTC and SPX chart, if I if I remember right, and it correlates between the crypto BTC and the stock. You said it yeah. directly called the the recent high and recent low. Yeah, yeah. So it's the BTC USD forward slash SPX five hundred. Uh, it's a it's a chart on Bitstamp, um, and basically it's it base it's it shows like kind of like a ratio indication of S and P to Bitcoin. So it's it's a really good correlation indicator. And what was really nice is while Bitcoin put in a higher high on its second run up to 69K, 
you know, this chart kind of indicated the weakness in that rally by putting in a lower high on the ratio top. Um, and what we immediately started to see was lower high and then higher low. And what we're actually forming here is a bit of like an asymmetric triangle. So it kind of could go either way at the moment. But I do know, uh, you know, last year when we got that 69K top, I wasn't paying attention to this chart. And I know a couple of TA guys who were, and they called that top just with this chart. Um, and if you kind of backtrack it through history, it's done a really good job, maybe in recent years, uh, not so much in the very early days, but in recent years, it's done a really good job of calling bottoms, calling tops on a more macro scale, not necessarily like on a hour time frame, but on the daily, weekly time frames, it's, it's really been able to show macro pictures on what's going on. Awesome. Great info. Thank you so much. You guys take care. Cheers, awesome. Thank you, Thanks for your time, bro. Um, Boys, before we uh, before we wrap up here, um, any guys, <laughs> fi- final you, thoughts? Of- <laughs> Sorry, Q. Did you guys did you guys see what happened to Frenzies that NFT project? Oh, are we on NFTs now? <laughs> no, just, just let- quickly, like floor floor went from two point five ETH to point zero six. <laughs> no, and this was like one of the most influenced the hype projects as well. And then the market took a turn, and basically everyone just exited. Um, there's, there's been a couple projects like this now where the floor has just absolutely been demolished in the NFT space. Um, yeah. It's well, listen, scary. Q, I, I don't know. Obviously we, 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 don't know what the next week holds, but I think, uh, I think we need to do a bit of an NFT market update because why are these floors not plummeting? <laughs> that's my, well, that's my question well, to leave everyone at the end of this I'll week. Tell you, um, it's a right? No, I can, I can tell you exactly why. I can tell you right now why they're not crashing. Because, do you want me to spoil the answer or are we going to save this for the next episode? No, no, no. Save it. Let's save it for episode 26. We need, okay. we need I know a... exactly, exactly why NFT floors aren't crashing. We, we need to save some <laughs> jeopardy for, for next week. Um, right. But yeah, boys, thanks. Uh, the, the, we, we were going to talk about some other things, but uh, I think the market and what's happening uh, overshadowed that. Um, just some housekeeping um, onto a lighter note before <laughs> before we uh, we head off. Um, my flights are flights are booked to Norway, so I'll see see you guys in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll be having to everyone who listens. We'll be having a little little bit of an unofficial uh, Web three show summit in uh, Stavanger, Norway, um, in a remote location. Uh, prophesizing on uh, on Duquan, UST, Bitcoin, trying to meet with Satoshi. Um, so, boys, <laughs> looking forward, looking forward to to meeting up with you. Um, and yeah, just I mean, ho- I mean just, boys, just just on that point, my passport still hasn't arrived, so I'm starting to get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even so, going to be able to fly to you guys. <laughs> so it might just be me and it might just be me and Luca in Norway. Fine. Don't worry, guys. I'll get on the shrimps here in Cape Town. It's all good. <laughs> Hey, who said anything about shrooms? Who said anything about you shrooms? You said we're meeting Satoshi. How do you expect to do that? By like looking at the sun. Okay, fine. Uh, microdosing ayahuasca with uh, Tim Ferriss. Let's go. Lucas organized us a private viewing. Um, but yeah, boys, let's let's hope the let's hope the market doesn't demolish us in the next week. Um, just uh, yeah. I, I don't before... want to downsize the trip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're cutting based on what happens in the next week uh, to our trading accounts. The we might have to cut the budget for the trip. Hey, eh? 
Yeah, guys, my UST credit card is now worthless, unfortunately. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's gone out the window. Um, <laughs> anyway, boys, uh, thanks for a great episode, episode twenty-five in the bag. We will see everyone for episode twenty-six. Uh, a brief reminder to the audience as well: we've got the Discord going for more tailored and detailed uh, market insights. Please join us. Uh, I'm going to drop the link in the description uh, to the Discord. Uh, it's pretty small, pretty intimate. Uh, we do blockchain, whiskey, and cigars, or what do you call it again now, Q? Whiskey and blockchain? Whiskey, whiskey and blockchain, yeah. It cha- the name changes every week, so it's going to be <laughs> shrooms and blockchain next week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, join the, join the Discord, get some uh, tailored... Uh, insights on the market from from Q beyond these market updates and uh, also just riff on us about Web3 and blockchain and how uh, Sale is the ultimate giga chad of, of everything. But yeah, boys, thanks for thanks for the episode. See you all for episode 26. Also, another big shout out to TJ for joining us this morning. Uh, thanks, everyone. We will chat to you next week.